welcome to the Mocktail Hour. This is our first episode, so bear with us. My name is Ellie. And I'm Erin G. Ward. And we're going to drink a mocktail and give you our reviews. What is a mocktail? So a mocktail is an upscale option that you might give people who are visiting your house or people who are coming over who want to have something to drink who are not interested in drinking alcohol. That's beautiful. I feel like I've gone to a lot of soirees. I don't know a good word for it. But like any gathering, there's always alcohol and then a non-alcoholic alternative. And so often it feels like the non-alcoholic alternative is like orange juice, like milk. I don't know. Something not so fun. So I'm really excited to try some interesting things I didn't personally know existed in this world. Yeah, I think for me, what's important is really asking yourself the question of like, would I drink this? Yeah. If you would go to a party and you would not drink a plain LaCroix, then why are you giving it to your guests that you love so much, you know? Or, um, you know, Diet Coke is great. Uh, it's the OG sober beverage. We owe a lot from the sober community to Diet Coke. <laughs> but I think what's exciting and what I'm, I'm pumped about us trying today and looking at in the future is just that people are really stepping up and they're making really delicious things to drink. And it means that you can have these things in your cupboard and have them available when people come over. Awesome. And so before we get into it, um, I how do you say this? We're the toast. name of it, toast. It's T O with like an umlaut on it. S T, uh, toast rose. I'm so excited to try this. Oh my goodness! But before we get into that, just some background on like who we are, why we're here, our relationships, I guess, with alcohol. Um, I can I can go first because I feel like mine is weirdly simple. It's simple. Like I have oh no thoughts in brain. I'm like, I don't think about alcohol very much, but I feel like maybe I should think about alcohol more and lack thereof. Um, So going into this, know that I am not sober, but I'm really interested in discerning around it, which is a big ministry that you do. It's a title of a ministry that I do, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think My background is just that I am sober. I'll be three years sober in November, but I took a really long road to get there. And I did a lot of really quiet work on that. And one of the huge barriers to me getting sober really was the social part, Mm -hmm. right? The other big barrier that I hope that we'll get into more and more as we do this work throughout the podcast is just that... I really struggled with the fact that I'm fun and I thought I was going to have to give that up in order Mm. to be sober. And I had made the decision that that was okay, that like I would just be a boring ass woman who like didn't do fun things anymore. But what I found and what I, what I really want to offer in part through, through the work that we're doing here is just that like, Sobriety's super fun. Like, you can still have really rad beverages and wake up in the morning and feel incredible, right? And there's also a real fluidity in that. And I want to just kind of take everything about sobriety, all the hangups it has, like, all the stigma, all the everything, and just try to, like, take that down. Because I think that it should be a blast. 
And the other thing I'll mention that I think is really important is that uh, it's hospitality. Mm. And I don't know, you know, how much anyone listening knows about us, but uh, I'm a Christian, I'm a priest, and a biblical principle that is huge throughout the scriptures, hospitality. And so maybe you aren't worried about your relationship with alcohol. Maybe you are not here for anything related to that. Just stock your pantry. Like, be hospitable. This is a great way to get resources and new things for you to have to help tons of people, not just people who are sober, but all the different life conditions that might mean that a person just isn't drinking tonight. Mm, That's such a good point. And I want to come back to that, actually. I have a question for you. Sure. After we review this, Bev. Okay. You're just staring at it. It looks so alluring to me. So we're drinking the Toast Rosé Blend, which is a sparkling white tea with some ginger and elderberry. Oh, boy. Um, It is uh, chilled. You can hear that. Nice. We open up a little bubbly. Wow. A little bubbly action. It's bubbling like champagne oh gorgeous it also has really the color of a rosé and so one thing I always want to mention when we think about hospitality and what it means to be thinking about this is sometimes when you're in those tender early points in sobriety you may not be ready to tell people that you're not drinking and so it's really huge and lovely to have a drink that you can just have that maybe even looks like alcohol. Yeah, it blends Um, in. Because you don't owe that to anyone, right? Like, you can go at your own pace. And so this would certainly be the kind of thing that if it was sitting in someone's refrigerator, they, I don't think upon first glance, would even know that it wasn't No, absolutely not. It says contains no alcohol in the front, obviously. But in a glass, it would look like you were drinking what everyone else had as long as they were having a rosé all day. It looks so good. So, Well, cheers. Cheers. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Can we take a moment to appreciate it? Mm. I didn't do the sniffy thing. I wanted to do the, like, mature wine connoisseur. I mean, it does smell good. Yeah. I I was never that classy. I was more like a boxed wine connoisseur, (laughs) so there wasn't really a lot of smelling involved. But this does... I mean, it's very, like, floral, I guess, because Mm -hmm. it has the the white tea, the ginger, and the elderberry. I like the ginger because it makes it a little spicy, I think. Yes. It almost, it reminds me of a much sweeter, more refined kombucha. Yes. So without the fermentation kind of feel, but definitely with, like, a sharpness of herbs and spices, uh, fruitiness, a freshness... And just the right level of carbonation to me, actually. And it's not too sweet. I think for me, I don't really love anything hyper sweet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get into like sparkling grape juice, I mean, I'll just be honest and say that is not something I'm going to really like ask for at a party. Like if that's something that's being offered to me, there are some people that love it and I want to honor that. But like, it's just not going to be anything I'm going to order. Like I probably will just have water, (laughs) right? This is even enough. It's light enough. It's also super refreshing. Like, if I were to be outside at, like, a garden party or something like that, um, one of the things that is so funny, and I talk about this a lot with my coaching clients, is that, um, you know, triggers are odd in terms of, like, when you're drinking or trying to not drink. And Mm. I just remember being in my sobriety one day and literally a breeze hit me. And I just wanted to be on a patio drinking. Like, that was the trigger. It was just one breeze. And so 
seasons like patio season yes. can be super hard yes. for people. And so having something that really translates into being great in that setting is good. And this would be a perfect pick. This is wonderful. And if you are interested in trying this or seeing what we're talking about, uh, we'll be posting this on socials and you'll find a link to this beverage in our show notes. And Toast has two flavors, and um, stay tuned. Keep following the podcast, because we're going to try the second flavor later. Ooh, do you remember what it is? I mean, this has a lot of descriptors I would not remember. So they have an original, and then they have the, the rosé. And so okay. we've, we've tried the rosé. Um, there are similar, I think there's some overlap in it, but I don't know what the other hints are that are added in the other blend. <gasps> okay, I'm really so excited. It is different. Um, it looks more, it has more golden of mm. an appearance. This actually, for those of you listening, uh, this actually is rosé. I mean, it is the color of rosé. Truly, yeah, yeah. It looks peachy. It tastes peachy. It has some peach to it. I am tempted to just like sip. And not even talk, which would make for terrible airtime, but lovely time for Ellie. I mean, I'm here for it. So Ellie, yes. is this love at first sip? This is, in fact, love at first sip. And I want it, I'll tell you straight, I wanted to come in cynical. I wanted to come in with a little controversy, you know, to just spice things up. Be like, no, actually. We love spice. <laughs> this isn't for me. Unfortunately, I do love spice and this is a little spicy and I love it. How about you? Love it for sip? It's really, really good. It is love it for sip. I think um, sometimes I find that beverages have almost no flavor. Mm-hmm. And for me, again, I tell I tell my coaching clients all the time, if you have a choice between tap water and a margarita, you're going to pick a margarita every time, right? There needs to be a complex flavor pro- profile. It needs to be something that you will want to drink later, right? This is something that I would genuinely, if I walked into a party and someone said, do you want this, 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 or toast? I would say, oh, actually, I think I want toast. And I would be looking forward to getting my drink the way that you might be looking forward to getting a gin and tonic after you've ordered one. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Here's the descriptor on the side of it. It says, dry, sparkling, sophisticated, and not too sweet. I I think they delivered on everything that they promised. They did not lie to us. They did, and so many people lied. Yes. This was good. I want to come back to something we were talking about before our like, sipping. <laughs> fully. This is I anticipate there being sometimes I'll be like, oh, that was good. And then not. We started it. off on a hit. I have we to did. say. This is debut. <laughs> good job, Toast. Yes. I want to come back to um, something you touched on about hospitality and the biblical. Uh, I guess, like, call for for hospitality. And I think one of the first things that comes to my mind as a Christian thinking about alcohol and hospitality is the wedding at Cana. And we have this story about Jesus turning water into wine and that being, like, it's the life of the party that he's creating with that wine, or so the story goes. And I feel like, not to get too heavy, like right after we review this drink, but like I have found in a lot of church spaces, people use that to break the ice. That's a great story to tell around like, oh no, Christianity is fun. Haven't you heard? Like Jesus turned water into wine. That's so fun. But I feel like hearing what you were saying about hospitality 
Um, could you expand upon, like, I guess your relationship to that story, maybe? Or how you see hospitality being bigger than that wine story? Yeah, I mean, I think... First of all, I just want to say that anytime we become overly dependent on one story to sell something, Mm. we can kind of choose to become critical of that, right? Uh, I think using one story in the Bible to um, speak over the lived experiences of people who are struggling in this is just something I want to hold some attention around, right? I also think there is a reading of the story that is fully not about wine. Mm. And that the core of that is really... Uh, what it means to sort of persevere in hospitality, right? For there to be fear, for there to be scarcity around what it means to open up joy to people, and what it means to have divinity really supersede all of that scarcity and push forever past whatever barrier we think might make joy, community, and, you know, wholeheartedness with other people impossible, right? Mm. It's that sort of, you know... We're right at the edge. What are we going to do? Enter Jesus, who promises us that we will continue to have this everlasting banquet, right? And actually love images of banquet feasts because I love to eat and I love to drink good beverages, right? Like the idea that having fun and going to parties and having, you know, um, unlimited resources of delicious beverages, those are all things I'm still deeply passionate about. I just want to acknowledge that it isn't wine, right? It doesn't have to be wine in order for us to maintain that joy. Um, And I think, to your point, like we've kind of held that line, that the gift and the miracle of the wedding of Cana is the wine. Mm -hmm. And that's missing the point in favor of something that could be more hospitable and be more open and more helpful for people. I think that really cracks the story open. Because that's applicable in so many places. What does it mean to be feeling scarcity and then have somebody waltz in and be like, no, not only are we living from a place of abundance, but uh, I've saved the best for last. There is always more to share in community. The other thing you mentioned that I think is is really insightful. And um, I don't want to give away all my tricks on the first episode, <laughs> but I feel like talking to you is almost too comfortable. Um, I just was thinking about how you were saying, you know, it's become this way to like break the ice. Mm. And that was a huge part of what it was for me. You know, I did a lot of sort of ministry work in the world of like, you know, who hasn't been to a theology on tap or something like that. Yeah. And because I came from a fundamentalist background, I did the shift from don't ever drink at sinful to then and then feeling like the way that I kind of was able to be like, oh no, I'm different than that, is that I'm a Christian who drinks. Mm. And I think that there's been some real identity holding around that drinking uh, that is is indicative of, of uh, many people who maybe came from similar backgrounds. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I have personally never been in a Christian context that was dry. I hear about it a lot, um, but I I was not raised Christian. And then I went to um, a Catholic university um, in DC, not the Catholic university. I went to Georgetown, actually. I need to clarify that every time I describe the Catholicism I was in. Uh, and I actually, that's a Jesuit university. And 
I'll fess up right now. I, at the time, hosted a podcast called Drinks with Jesuits. And it was exactly this kind of pattern of invitation. It's like, oh, we can all get behind alcohol. Um, I'm going to go up to these various faith leaders on campus and offer, what's your favorite beverage? We'll buy it for you. We were over 21 at the time. Don't worry, guys. And then let's talk about why is your, is your favorite drink and let's get into your stories and what can we learn from you. And it was, it was really good to have those conversations, but it felt necessary to break that ice with something so fun, so fun and relatable, especially in college and especially in a Christian setting, right? Like, like, oh, we're not those Christians. We're fun Christians, which maybe isn't the right way to look at it. I don't know. I am thinking too about jokes like we're both um episcopalians and there's that phrase whiskey palian i don't know i think we do build a lot of identity around around being christians who have alcohol which is way too deep to unpack in this single podcast episode but interesting to think about and i think it will continue to come up yeah as we as we do this work and i think you know one of the things that I often think about is like the reason that I know that this culture exists is because I was a part of it. Mm -hmm. I don't speak on the outside kind of looking in with judgment. I speak out of what my personal experience was of being in this. And, you know, there's there's an incredible amount of compassion to be offered into all of this. Um, I needed to leave fundamentalism, Mm -hmm. you know. But there's also ways in which our paths just keep moving forward. Right. Yeah. And, you know, identity is so core. I mean, this is redundant. It's so core to who we are. The, the things that we say about our identity, not only do they mean something about how we see ourselves, but they also mean something to the people that we meet and how mm. we talk about ourselves in the public square. And what I'm finding in the work that I'm doing is just that while that mm. might make us approachable in some contexts, it makes us completely unapproachable in other contexts. I find myself with this one foot in the Episcopal world, one foot in the sober world, and it is an interesting place to find myself. That's an interesting place to be. It, it can be kind of a taboo topic, too. It's something that not a lot of people might want to talk about. Um, and I know for me personally, I've... I've really learned a lot from you. Like I was, I would not have thought of that. I truly putting that out there, like admitting to this, did not think about the inhospitality of providing guests with alcohol and then not thinking about others. Um, For all of the rants that I go on all the time about like, we have to think about the other, we have social justice, blah, blah, blah. I'm like... Well, in a really even intimate way, in throwing a party, you know, inviting friends over, how how have I been inhospitable? Um, so thank you for for pushing me to think about that. And I'll just say that a lot of my reflection about this comes from the fact that I look back mm-hmm. and I realize that I was not a safe person mm. for a sober person to be around. So again, this isn't a judgment call. It's l- trying to look interior and then letting the insights that I've learned through looking inside myself move out. Also, um, the work that I'm doing in, in large scale is really about mindfulness. Mm. It's about sort of having these moments where you're like, huh, I would not 
have seen that edge of it, mm, right? Yeah. And then being attentive to it, right? Like you will now have that edge that you can think through and that'll frame your understanding of things. And I hope that um, this podcast will be super fun, but that it also can offer some of those edges. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this will make my parties more fun, right? For everyone. Yes. Hi, this is future Ellie from the future jumping in to record an updated version of where you can find us, which I guess this is my future, but now your past. So um, that's that's cool. Thank you for listening. More information about today's drink. You can find that in the show notes. Also, a big part of the show moving forward is going to be listener questions. And we want to hear from you. If you have a scenario you're having trouble with, if you have just any questions on your mind about alcohol, sobriety, discernment, or honestly, really much of anything, we'll answer it. (laughs) We'll try to. So information on how to ask us those questions, that's in the show notes as well. How can you find us other ways? Great question. Thanks for asking it. I do sustainability work. I'm really excited about this advent calendar that's coming out. It's going to have daily things you can do to help the earth. It's going to be great. So you can find that and my other projects at elliesinger.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at elliegsing. You can find Erin Jean Ward on Twitter and Instagram at Erin Jean Ward. And you can also go to her website, erinjeanward.com, where you can explore her blog, check out her recovering coaching packages, and spiritual direction. You can also go to discerningsobriety.com to learn more about her course on integrating spirituality into mindfulness around alcohol. And I know I just threw a bunch of bits and bites at you, so you can also find all of that in the show notes. Just go to the show notes. It's a fun, it's a party, it's wonderful. Thanks for listening.